But yeah, trust me, 0705 or 081003. This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. Today, today Apple is going to reinvent the phone. Yes, what's going on, people? Welcome to another episode of the Redesign Podcast. It's Andrew, aka Mr. Kate Box, back again for another installment. And this is episode 21. Um, sponsor message very, very quickly. Shout out to Quaker Street Coffee over there in Shoreditch, the co working space, the coffee shop. Get your bubble tea, get your coffee, get your shakes, and all of that good stuff. Gonna have a special announcement next week, so stay tuned for that one. Um, also, if you want to join the inner circle and get text message updates, and if you want to join the mailing list, simply text redesign pod all one word to eight double four double three. That's redesign pod to eight double four double three. Texts will be charged at your standard network rate. So if you're on Vodafone or E or whatever, it's not not going to be any more than twelve p or anything like that. But um, don't quote me on that. But some of you might be lucky enough to have that included on your allowance. So, um, but it's not going to be any more than your standard network rate. Yeah, it's going to be free for you to receive messages and updates. So don't worry about that one. Are you sure you can blame it on social media? Flexing is good for business. Spending money makes you money. Bitcoin down more than 30% this week. Redesigned. You've got to put in the effort every single day. Running a business isn't for everyone. They need role models and not just movie stars and athletes. We are the digital influencers. They're creating content. There's no denying the power of digital media, but it also poses a real challenge. But before we get into this week's main feature, some news for you. Tinder hype verification. Wow. It turned out to be an April Fool's. Um, a lot of men, a lot of shorter men were rattled by this. All our taller brothers, six foot and beyond, have been bantering our socks off. Uh, nothing to do with me because I'm not dating and it's got nothing to do with me. I don't even use Tinder, so I don't care. I'm good over here. Um, yeah, so I mean, they, I've seen whole videos on YouTube, like people making videos saying that it's unfair, blah, 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 blah. One guy was crying saying that um, it's really unfair. They don't respect men, blah, 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 blah. Um, I mean, if it was true, I could, I could understand. But like, guy, relax, man. Let's have a look. Wait, do I just go to Twitter? I am now on Twitter. Oh. Introducing the thing you never asked for but definitely always wanted. Tinder height verification. <laughs> fuck Tinder. And fuck online dating. It's a joke! It's blatantly like a joke. It's an April Fool's. That's all it was. Um, a lot of guys in their feelings. Don't want no short, short man. But someone actually said that this actually tickled me though. This actually made me laugh. What if there was a weight verification? I was thinking, wow, how? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> anyway, that's that Tinder. Doing a mad thing on the internet, April Fool's Day. 
Um, what else? What else? What else? Instagram is testing a new video scrubbing option. So if you don't know what video scrubbing is, that's basically like, you know, when you're watching a video online and you, you can tap it and then scroll to the end of the video, scroll to the middle or just scroll to any particular point of the video. That feature has been tested on Instagram right now for the Instagram videos. I think that'd be good. Yeah, I think I think that'd be the way forward. And Instagram, please, please let us have like HD quality videos. Like you have the technology. I don't know why you guys are still showing videos in 360p. Like my guys, like at least 1080p. Come on, come on. It's 2019 now. There's no excuse. Um, and also give us longer videos in the normal feed. Like I don't really care about IGTV. At least just. I just don't care about IGTV. And even with IGTV, the video quality is dusty. Like, please, Instagram, fix it up and people might actually start adopting it. Also in the news, Loom. More pyramid schemes. I thought pyramid schemes were done with, like, wow, the economy is tight. You know, everyone's trying to make a quick buck. I get it. Things are getting expensive out here, you know, like haircuts are like 25 pound, 30 pound getting a little bit peak out here but guys i don't think we can resort to these kind of measures like uh, natwest bank issued a warning about it on their social media trying to raise awareness of the dangers of joining these um pyramid schemes triangle schemes me like square run me like circle me no you know nothing with triangle done um so last week natwest posted We've had an increase in reports of a scam where you're promised big returns if you invest £160 to play The Loom. It's been reported on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and even WhatsApp. This is not a game, it's a pyramid scheme and only result in you losing your money. Please help us to make more people aware and take five to think before you click on anything from social media that looks too good to be true. Yeah, if, I mean, if you're if you're investing £160 and expecting to get like £1,000 plus back, um, I heard that like if you invest £160, you make £1,280 back. But digging deeper into this and doing some more research, it turns out that this has actually been going on since around 2016. Um, it's not really new. It just it just does the rounds. Like so, people talk about it. They'll put their money in. Some people will win. Some people will lose. People talk about it. There's uproar. Everyone says, oh, avoid it, avoid it. And then it goes away for a couple of years and it comes back and people just keep doing the same shit. Um, it's basically like a chain letter. It's, these things will always be in existence. People always want something for nothing. So that's just life. That's just life. It's just being extended to the digital age, I guess. There'll always be pyramid schemes about. Um, speaking of pyramid schemes, not to be confused with affiliate marketing and not to be confused with network marketing. Although with network marketing, I do think that's closer to the, those are probably the most legal pyramid schemes because there's a way around it because they're actually selling a product. And that's probably the only thing that kind of keeps it from being a pyramid scheme. Um, shout out to all the dons that um, joined ACN back in the day. Let me know if you made your millions, man. I mean, I'm not talking like I haven't been involved in these things. I, there was once, one time I got had, but this wasn't ACN. Um, I actually joined something called Utility Warehouse. And um, it was an interesting journey. But if it wasn't for that, I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have discovered residual income and found other ways to make residual income or passive income. At least I wasn't flying out to Rotterdam to listen to people gas me up. But that's for a different episode. I'm definitely going to talk about this one time. 
on the pod. So if you guys have got any ACN stories, any network marketing stories, hit me up, send me an email or tweet me. Either way, if you want to tweet me, use the hashtag redesignpod. And if you want to drop an email, you can send an email to redesignpod at mail.com. And again, don't forget, if you want to get involved in this week's conversation, you can always use the hashtag on Twitter, redesignpod, all one word. So that's redesignpod, all one word. And also, if you like the podcast, uh, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, comment, like, share, all of that good stuff. It really helps the podcast get found and discovered by more people. With that being said, let's get into this week's main feature. So this week, we are talking about the evolution of the telephone. Very few inventions in history can claim to have changed the course of history, such as the telephone. And it's something we use every single day, and we probably take it for granted. It's one of the most influential and culturally significant devices ever invented. I mean, it saved lives, become the backbone of almost every business globally, especially over the last 150 years. It's cultivated relationships, connected us with family overseas. It's been a part of our fondest and most special childhood and teenage memories. But today, the telephone is over 150 years old and it is still evolving up until now. And the ironic thing is that what the phone was actually invented for is what we use it for least especially in the world of instant messaging and social media. But in this week's podcast, we're going to explore its history, the present and the future. And we're also going to pay some attention to how each leap in technology has shaped popular culture at specific time periods. Some that you might be old enough to remember, some you might not be. But yeah, get comfortable, grab a beverage and let's jump into the time machine. So where are we going? We're going to 1876. dark in there you know don't even have light bulbs yet by the way those weren't invented for another three years shout out to thomas edison because i don't know how you man were doing candlelit dinner every single day but anyway march 10th 1876 a scotsman by the name of alexander graham bell successfully transmitted the sound of his own voice through wires to a speaker in another room over a hundred years ago this man's passionate interest in sound caused him to invent something which changed the world. Alexander Graham Bell was born in Edinburgh in 1847 and educated in the universities of Edinburgh and London. He later emigrated to Canada and then to America to teach people with defective speech. And it was in his workshop in Boston that he spoke the first recognisable sentence by telephone. Mr Watson, come here. I want to see you. Mr. Watson was Bell's assistant. It was the 10th of March, 1876. The man with the passionate interest in sound 
had achieved something which had eluded so many others. For although experimenters had succeeded in sending musical notes and other sounds over a wire, no one until now had been able to build a machine that could send recognizable words. The telephone had arrived. Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. Although Alexander Graham Bell was credited as the inventor of the telephone, there's been some controversy over who it actually really was. Was it Bell? We don't know. He was the person who went and he actually had the money to go and patent the design and the concept. So it might have been someone else. There are two other people that are mentioned when it comes to the uh, invention of the telephone. Another inventor, Elisha Gray, was working on a similar device. And there are books that claim that Bell stole those ideas. And there's even another guy in the mix called Antonio Miucci. And he's an Italian engineer and inventor who also claims to have developed a voice telecommunication device around the same time. Funny enough, the Italian government don't actually recognise Alexander Graham Bell as the main guy and actually credit their guy as the main inventor of the telephone. But anyway, we digress. At this point, the telephone system didn't look anything like they do today. But let's fast forward to 1884. A Swedish don called Lars Magnus Ericsson, yes, it's the exact same Ericsson you're thinking of, creators of the same classic Ericsson PH388, which was actually my first proper phone. And to this day, they play a major part in the telecoms industry. Ericsson designed and marketed the first telephones that combined the receiver and the mouthpiece into a single unit. Now, this design was adopted worldwide and gave birth to a whole new way of communicating with one another not just across towns and cities, but eventually across the world, which we'll get into in a sec. So let's jump in a time machine. Let's move over to the 1920s. So when the telephone began to make its journey to become a fixture in every household, a network of telephones were connected by copper wire. They were connected from a copper wire from your house all the way to a local telephone exchange operated by what they call operators. And they were always women for some reason. Don't know why, but literally a room of women who would connect your phone calls manually. So basically they literally plug in sockets to connect your phone call to the other person. So they connect your line to the other person's line. And that's how you were able to make phone calls. Operator. Hello. Who is this? This is Long Distance. May I help you? Yeah, um, I want to call uh, area code 212, mm-hmm. uh, 222-2565. Thank you. But, but I want to charge it to another number, uh, 212-243-2806. Thank you. Uh, listen, operator, um, this is a very private call. Now, you're, you're not going to be listening, are you? I mean, well, I won't even be on the line, sir, while the number just... You're going to get off the line as soon as I get the party, right? Right. There won't be no one on the line. Okay. What's that noise? That's the line ringing now. Oh, okay. Hello? At this time, there was still no way of calling overseas. There was no transatlantic phone network. But by 1956, the USA, Canada and the United Kingdom, they collaborated to start laying an underwater network of cables 
which would allow the first transatlantic phone network, allowing calls over the Atlantic, which is mad. They literally laid cable under, on the floor of the ocean. Do you know how sick that is? Um, yeah, there's some, there's all kinds of there's loads of documentaries on YouTube that you can watch. Check it out. See how they done it. It's actually an amazing story how they managed to do that. Um, a lot of work was put in. But yeah, let's fast forward to the 1960s. So by the mid 60s, telephones made the transition from rotary dials. Have you ever used a rotary dial phone? Unlike rotary phones, touchtones let people make a call without talking to an operator, speeding up the world of communication. Still, touchtone phones didn't completely catch on until the 80s. But once they did, they were in virtually every home across America. The push-button phones laid the groundwork for fax machines, call switching, and everything we use today. Fast forward to the 1970s, people were like, why do we have to stay chained to one spot to use the phone? It's a bit mad. Um, it's actually mad because before mobile phones, we had car phones and they were a complete mess. They cost a fortune and the first ones came out around 1947 and weighed about 36 kg, the weight of 60 pairs of shoes or 51 iPads, just for context. And that would sit in the boot of a car. But later on in 1973, Motorola engineer Martin Cooper revealed what he thought the future of telecoms would actually look like. And shortly after, the cell concept was born. So that's where they actually got the name cell phone or cellular network or cellular phone. Basically, it's a cluster of cells networked together. So imagine you're in your car and you're on the phone, but your phone connects to the network through the aerial. And that is picking up a signal from the nearest mobile phone tower. So that's your signal master, right? And these are called cells. So how the technology works is that as you move from one point to another, there is a handshake or there's like a, a nod or a handshake between different cell towers, depending on the signal strength and where you are, one will agree to take over from the other. Does that make sense? So you're moving from point A to B. So you're at point A, now you're in between point A and B. Now, the signal strength that you're getting from the tower nearest to point A is diminishing, right? And then the nearest one to you, which is point B, is actually talking to tower A and saying, you know what? The signal's stronger over here. Bruv, I've got you. I'm going to pick it up from here. Then tower A says, yes, that's cool. You take it over. So then now your phone switches from, from cell A to cell B without you even noticing. That's what cell technology is. And that's how mobile phone networks actually work. So this engineer basically came up with that idea. Then it took another 10 years and over 100 million pounds of investment to make this a reality. It happened in 1983. That was when the first, the world's very first handheld mobile, the Motorola Dynatech 8000 was released. Yeah, so that was the first handheld mobile phone, the Motorola Dynatech 8000. It cost the equivalent of around £12,000 in today's money. It took 10 hours to charge and had a battery life of around 35 minutes. Absolute banter. 
Imagine charging your phone for 10 hours to get 35 minutes of talk time. Bruh. Wow. £40 a minute and them things there. I can't imagine how much a phone call would have cost back then. This marked the beginning of a global obsession with the mobile phone. But let's talk about the cultural impact. Mobile phones were kind of like, they were out of reach for a very long time for a lot of people. A lot of working class people didn't have access to them. So they were seen as like, you know, like a symbol of wealth, a symbol that you had arrived. You know, back in the day, they used to have um, the city boys. They were the first people to have the mobile phones and they weren't called city boys back then. They were called yuppies. Go and Google that. So in the UK, we used to call them yuppies. So, yeah, there was a lot of attention in the media about them. Still very, very expensive, very difficult to carry around. But as always, what happens with new technology, eventually they become smaller you know, more sophisticated and more affordable. So let's fast forward to 1996. At this point, Motorola continues to innovate with the world's first flip phone. So Motorola, they had a lot of um, impact. They had a lot of um, influence, especially here in the UK. A lot of people's first phones were Motorola's. Um, So the first flip, the first Motorola flip phone they had was the uh, StarTac, I think probably something else i can't remember the model numbers but the motorola startac was one of the first ones those times i was in secondary school and um yeah like let's talk about cultural impacts like in terms of youth culture as a kid those times you didn't have any privacy you if you wanted to call a girl you would have to literally leave your house and find a payphone so you'd have to go to a phone box so a lot of us millennials back in the day we relied on payphones or call up a link or whichever good times man good times but they weren't really that good they, th- those times weren't really that good because payphones they stunk a piss i'm not gonna lie um but yeah on instagram i asked you guys um asked some of you guys to tell me about some of your experiences um in phone booths back in the day and here's one this one just cracked me up okay so my um my earliest memory um of using a phone box um i must have been about 13 um, and I got my first girlfriend and I remember I told my mum that I was going to the shops um, <laughs> what I didn't tell my mum was I was going to the shops to get a phone card to call this girl so um, about an hour later I was at the phone box at the front of my estate chatting away, chatting away and next thing I just felt this hand grab me from behind I got slapped, dropped the phone <laughs> and my mum dragged me, dragged me back home um, so yeah, that's my earliest memory of uh, using a phone box Shout out to Dan for that one. Listen, mate, <laughs> mummy did not come to play. Ah, so the payphone basically was our mobile phone for a very long time. It was grimy, dirty, stank of piss, quite frankly. Thank God for mobiles, innit? But yeah, privacy. But yeah, in terms of youth culture, if you look back to the late 80s and early 90s, even rave culture was heavily built on you know the fact that we had access to phone booths if it wasn't for that you know the a lot of the illegal rave warehouse parties wouldn't have happened so back in the day this was before my time back in the day they used to have um illegal warehouse parties so they would have like in the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere they would have these massive acid house parties where there would be like tens of thousands of people in attendance 
they'd get sound systems lighting all that stuff lasers they'd have like that hundreds of djs and whatnot and all of these were done in a secret location because obviously if the party gets found out by the police obviously they would lock it off but how they used to do it is they would organize the party and they would give you a hotline number and people used to drive literally in convoy to a specific area so on m25 they would be uh, on, let's say on a friday or saturday night they would get ready get dressed go out and they would stop at the service stations and ring up the hotline number and on the hotline number they would tell you the location and what to do next to find where the actual rave was it was so important to keep the location secret because if it got out you know that your party was off so we used to have several venues um, so we'd have you know a, back, a venue a backup venue um, and a backup venue again it really was the most closely kept secret since the holy grail Rave locations range from farmers' fields to aircraft hangars dotted across the home counties. Now easily accessible, courtesy of the newly completed M25 motorway around London. To keep venues secret, organisers provided only a phone number for partygoers to call to get directions at an allotted time. Going to a party was quite a journey. It was a magical mystery tour. You'd have a ticket. It would have a 0898 number. People would go to phone boxes, ring this number, stuff in however many pound coins you needed to actually get an answer, um, you know, write down the location um, and head off. You'd sort of see cars going from all directions from the suburbs of London, hundreds of people dressed a little bit differently, maybe um, converging. There'd be a car park where there'd be a sort of pre-party party, everyone going, do you know where it is? It'd be like a convoy going around the M25 you drive around and you'd look for lasers. The laser light, it was like close encounters. So you're driving through some dark field in the middle of something, then all of a sudden you'd just see a light and you'd follow the light. Before you knew it, you had a hundred cars behind you and, and, and you used to get to these parties and be about a hundred people. Then you look around and there was like 10,000 people. I suppose like danger adds to the excitement, I guess. Like the older lot, I swear, the older lot really enjoyed, they really enjoyed life, I'm not going to lie. But here's a snippet of one of the hotlines that people used to ring up from the payphones to actually find the location of these raves. Genesis 1990 and FR Promotions presents Reunion 1990. Before we give up the meeting points, we would like to stress that everyone must follow the following rules. Number one. When you arrive at a meeting point, park your car sensibly, keep all stereos turned down, and await further instructions from our stewards. Number two, anyone seen driving dangerously, stopping in the middle of the road, or general nuisance to anyone else on the road, will be banned. Number three, everyone must obey the stewards' instructions at all times. Ignoring them will result in being banned. The meeting points from 9pm sharp are as follows. Blackheath, Greenwich Parkside. And Shinola's, Waterdon Road, Hackney. That's Blackheath, Greenwich Parkside. And near Shinola's, Waterdon Road, Hackney. Entry is just £5. Genesis and FR Promotions presents Reunion 1990, the true warehouse experience. So this is what young people were doing. This is how it affected youth culture. It made it 
it was a big part of coming together for a common cause. A lot of people would have some really fond memories of that. Sometimes when I hear these kind of things, I just wish I was a bit older, man. But moving on to more personal experiences. So in the 90s, that's when mobile phones became really, really affordable. Um, much more affordable to the working class person because in the beginning they were kind of aimed at more business people, business owners, CEOs, you know, exec level people. But it became a lot more affordable. There was a network that you may probably know as T-Mobile, but it wasn't called T-Mobile back in those days. It was called One to One. And that was the network that was marketed towards the common man or woman. They had free voicemail when everyone else charged three after seven on weekends so that really really changed the game you was able to stay on the phone and not pay a massive phone bill you could actually talk to someone for as long as you want after seven or on weekends um, which was a real game changer culturally as well and also the mobile phone really facilitated pirate radio which is another medium that um, youth culture were heavily dependent on in terms of, you know, getting their entertainment and also nightlife. So my first mobile phone was a Nokia Ringo. I don't like to count it because this phone, listen, this phone didn't even have a caller ID. It was an analog phone. I'm not going to go into details about what analog phones are. But yeah, this phone was just like, it was a brick. I literally saved up my pocket money for about six weeks just to buy the phone. And I bought it from a shop called Ryman. I'm not even sure if that shop even exists anymore. It's like a stationary shop. But it was on Vodafone, pay as you talk. It was 60p a minute off peak. Yeah. And five, um, sorry, it was 60p a minute peak. And then 5p a minute off peak. So weekends and after six, it was 5p a minute. And that was to like landlines, you know. So if you tried to ring another mobile phone with that, I don't know, it might have been like £1.50 a minute. I don't even know. Your credit is done in three minutes flat. Um, and those times it actually might, you never had things like cross network minutes. We're enjoying now, you know. We get cross network minutes. Doesn't matter what network the other person is. But anyway, yeah. Um, but my first proper mobile phone was the Ericsson 388. And those times just reminded me, they just remind me of um, like secondary school. And then, yeah, I, I really thought I was the man with that phone. Let me know what your first mobile phone was. I'm really showing my age here. Let me know what your first mobile phone was. Use the hashtag RedesignPod on Twitter. Uh, yeah, let's get this conversation going. So my first phone was definitely the 5110, the face-off. I had about 20 different cases and it was a gift for me when I started secondary school. So I must have been about 11. But I just remember... Every time I think of that phone, I'm just reminded of pirate radio because I would always text these pirate radio stations um, just so that I could hear them say like, oh, hold tight on 261 South London blah 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 you know and um and then another thing I remember is for some reason when we could leave free voice messages oi listen my first phone memory oi mobile phone listen I saved up all year <laughs> added to my um christmas and birthday money i'm my, my birthday's on boxing day 
And I took that money straight away. I was, I must have been about 14 years old and I bought like a 3210. Was it a 32 or 33? Oh my God, I can't even remember. That. It might have been a 32. Listen, one of the best days of my life. I think the oldest phone I had was like the Nokia change face cases one, if that makes sense. Um, I also had like the Ericsson, I think it was grey and yellow, no, orange, like some old school one. I was given that phone actually by um, someone that fancied me and he worked at a phone shop at the time. Back in, I think it was 1998 or 1999, Nokia released a phone called the 5110, yeah, also known as the Face Off. So I had this phone, I think I might have been in year 10 or year 11, I'm not sure. I had like different phone, like different covers. I would actually change the covers to match either my trainers or my outfit or whichever. And yeah, we used to go to Trocadero on the chirps. Shout out to John, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He was on the podcast, I think episode number three. He knows about this. Um, so Pirate Radio, as I mentioned before, the interaction on Pirate Radio used to like text the DJ or ring up and make a request or ask for a shout out. Sometimes they would go live. And back in the day, um, especially, I think I was in the f- in year 11 or might have been the summer after I finished year 11 going into college. That's when I actually, I went on a few of these Pirate Radio stations myself as uh, MC slash DJ or whichever. Not going to tell you what my name was, but um I was on quite a few of the well-known pirates and yeah, we had some good times, man. People would ring up with their requests and whatnot. Yeah, trust me, 0705 or Yeah, last call to believe. Yeah, this one is big up. Simone, Chanel and myself, Tayona, coming from both. Okay, then you've done this. Yeah, wait, you got the 411 crew. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take the 411. Hey, the nostalgia is killing me right now. Nokia also released another phone called the 8310, which looked like a toy, but it was so tiny, like phones were just getting like smaller and smaller and smaller. And they had this uh, nifty feature of an FM radio built in. So school kids could actually listen to the radio and interact with the DJs. Um, That created a culture within itself. Live call-ins listening to the radio on the way to school on the bus if you was really naughty you'd put one earphone through the arm of your blazer and put it to your ear good times i tell you what though you see back in the day in the 90s your voicemail would be patterned differently listen people would take so much time to record their outgoing message fast forward to today though the outgoing message is basically yeah, your call's been forwarded to the Vodafone voicemail service, blah, 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 blah. And that is it. Like, no message. I don't think anyone could be bothered to record anything these days. I'll tell you what one thing that parents of this generation are going to enjoy. You're not going to come home to no £600 phone bill anymore. Because those times back in the day when calls were like all 40p a minute just to ring a mobile from a landline. Yeah, those days are long gone. Ringtones was basic as fuck. We really used to care about ringtones back in the day. Back then, I mean, the, the main players were Nokia, Ericsson. Until then, we only had black and white screens. We really suffered, you know, monochrome. Um, but the first color screen was the Siemens S10, which came out in, when that come out? So the S10 came out in 1997. 
but it wasn't fully color it had three colors it weren't like it, it didn't like look like proper color not like what we nowhere near what they had later on like in the early 2000s but yeah um but i don't like the name of that though siemens no wonder it didn't really blow oh, too many puns never never mind never mind Mobile phone is changing. With BT Cellnet's new internet phones, you can access information from a range of websites through your mobile. So now you can find out whatever you want, whenever you want. Surf the net. Surf the BT Cellnet. Okay, now let's move over to 1999. October, Nokia releases the Nokia 7110, a GSM mobile phone. It was the first mobile phone to come with a WAP browser. Do you remember that? WAP? <laughs> WAP stood for Wireless Application Protocol and it was the standard at the time for accessing um, data over a mobile wireless network. So in layman's terms, that was the first generation of mobile web browsers. Monochrome internet, it was slow as hell, but it worked. You could, you know, find cinema listings and stuff like that, cinema times. You could find that basic information and stuff like that. At least with this, you could still, you could access email, you can get stock prices, football scores and all that kind of stuff. The lottery numbers, you know, that was the beginning of, um, that's when it all went tits up, really. As soon as they let us have internet in our mo on our mobiles, it was a wrap. And this is way before 3G. So fast forward to the mid 2000s, we had polyphonic ringtones, actual audio ringtones. And at one point, ringtones were a multi-billion pound industry. Like in 2003, the global ringtone industry was worth somewhere between two and a half and three and a half billion US dollars. Hold tight, crazy frog. Then fast forward again to like 2000 and 2006, 2007, you had the Blackberry. The Blackberry was the in thing. Do you remember your Blackberry pin? I don't remember mine, unfortunately. But yeah, Blackberry was a game changer. The actual physical keypad um, made it easier to type and whatnot. And then that kind of really took instant messaging to the next level. So social media and instant messaging and stuff like that. Um, I think the Blackberry made it really popular. Like, So you start to see a decline in people phoning each other. Like these days, I don't know, people don't like being on the phone. It's literally changed the culture. Um, it's all about instant messaging. And then in 2007 also, another game-changing event that literally has changed the world, Apple releases the iPhone. Every once in a while, a revolutionary product comes along that changes everything. And Apple has been, well, first of all, one's very fortunate if you get to work on just one of these in your career. An iPod, a phone, and an internet communicator. An iPod, a phone, 
Are you getting it? These are not three separate devices. This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. Today, today Apple is going to reinvent the phone. In 2010, not too long after the first iPhone was released, Apple came out with FaceTime. And this was released with um, the iPhone 4, if you remember that phone. So for a lot of time, people were speculating on the possibility of video calling. And I think there were different attempts to do it. I mean, people were trying to do it through Skype um, and using like webcams and stuff. I don't know, the execution just wasn't as good. But today, you know, a lot of people are video calling now. So you can thank Apple for that, I think. <laughs> yeah, FaceTime is a reality. People are literally video calling. You're seeing the person face to face. They could be 6,000 miles away in a, on a different continent. And you get the privilege of actually seeing their face, seeing where they are. Um, it has obviously it's obviously got its 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 uses apart from being able to see people's faces. You know, it can be used for journalism, all kinds of stuff, different many different applications. But yeah, the technology has come a long way. I don't want to talk too much about social media because it's kind of obvious what's happened with social media. Um, everyone knows, everyone knows Facebook. Everyone knows Instagram. Everyone knows what those those social media apps do and what they've done in terms of like, you know, global society. The world's become smaller because of it. We're able to network with people across different continents, make friends in different places and build relationships and all of that stuff. So we already know how that works. You know, that's part and parcel of the smartphones that we have today. And that's probably why we're so addicted to our phones now. Um, but yeah. And by this time, you know, phones are more based on apps. The app stores developed immensely over the years. And the, the mobile phones literally become the Swiss army knife of life. I mean, it's replaced so many things. Like, it's the camcorder. Like, even in recent times, it's like a measuring stick. It's like a, it's got a built-in spirit level. You can measure the distance between two things. You can measure the height of something. Crazy. Um it's replaced the calculator, the PC, the sat-nav, newspapers, magazines, um, the portable games console, the camera. Um, you can literally produce music on a phone now. It's, re it's replaced the word processor. Do you remember those? <laughs> Do you remember word processors? Typewriters. Like, who's got time for Microsoft Word when you can just do a young Google Docs on your phone? You know, it's replaced encyclopedias. It's replacing radio. Um, TV, you can watch TV on your phone. It's now like replacing the bank card, replacing your travel card. Like literally, when I go on the underground, I use my phone to tap in. Um, if I do any shopping and it's under thirty pound, I use my phone to pay for the for the for the bill. Like this is all stuff that phones are now doing, and it all started in eighteen seventy six with Mister Watson. Could you come here? That is mad. It is actually mad. So in the current climate, it's it's affecting everything. How business is done. Like I do invoicing on the on on the app now. Um, not we haven't even spoken about dating. Like literally, people are meeting the love of their life, 
or whoever meeting like you know meeting their partners online and if you had said this would be happening like if you'd said this 20 years ago people would think you're mad um yeah i mean the phone now is really at the center of of everything that we do business relationships and the crazy thing is it's still evolving not to mention social media social media is literally taking over our lives now yeah where is it going next i mean i've seen some rumors saying that phones will be implanted as chips and everything is just going to be um I, I don't know i'm not a conspiracy theorist i mean i can see that they've definitely got the technology to do it but if we just look at what's going on now if you've got things like airpods and you've got things like smart watches you've got the apple watch um apparently it's actually possible to completely leave your phone at home and you can actually communicate with your um your apple watch through your airpods Apparently, you can still get messages, notifications, and apparently you can still make phone calls if your your Apple Watch is enabled. I think it's like Generation 4, and it's got to have that dual SIM feature. Not all the networks have dual SIM, but you can have the dual SIM feature, and you can actually have... Uh, sorry, not dual SIM, it's called eSIM. So it's an electronic SIM, it's not a physical SIM card. So technically, your watch can still connect to the mobile network and then you wouldn't even need to carry your phone with you um yeah interesting times let me know what you think the future is going to look like in terms of the phone where's it going to take us who knows where it's going to take us next if you want to do further research on this uh, there's a load of links in the description with all the sources links to various youtube videos we can get more info quite an interesting topic um we'll be here all day if we cover every angle but yeah let me know your thoughts hit us up on the hashtag redesign pod that's all for this week um don't forget if you like the podcast subscribe follow and leave a review on the itunes store i don't know why i keep calling it itunes it's apple podcast now isn't it um i don't think they're doing a very good job of rebranding that's why in my head it's still app itunes podcast but anyway yeah leave a review five star hopefully if you like it that much um again Hit us up on the hashtag RedesignPod. And if you've got any comments or whichever, if you want to get in touch, you can send an email. RedesignPod at mail.com. And don't forget, if you want to join the mailing lists, which will be via text, and you can, you have the option to opt in by email as well. Um, if you want to do that, text RedesignPod to 84433. That's it for now. Take care. Bye for now. We'll be back next week. Redesigned. Come on, Cole, check back.